Welcome to G220 Radio. This is episode number 545. Episode number 545. Can you believe that we are that far on these amount of episodes that we have put out with G220? We are continuing our Proverbs series tonight, looking at chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. Hey, it's Ricky Gantz with Mike Miller. We are G220 Radio and excited to get back into this series on Proverbs. Mike, how you been? How's your week? Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been busy. And so it's always I did one of my friends from Virginia went to um, Virginia Christian University, so VCU. Um, for some evangelism. And he took three people from the Lynchburg area, or it was him and two other people. And then a, a church down there brought some people. I think they had like nine total to do more one-to-one. They don't do open air, but one-to-one just conversations with students at VCU. And he said it went really well, really mm-hmm. good. And um, he told me a story. I'm going to use it a little bit later, so I'm not going to, give it up that kind of fits towards the end of our our show but just how um he was commenting how like he knows how to do evangelism he's been doing it 10 15 years now and like the pastor of the church came out and was impressed just seeing how they do evangelism giving out um, little bags, giddy, goodie bags to students for listening and, but being clear on the gospel and just showing how you don't need to be a theologian or go to seminary to just go out and preach the gospel. I think it's just a good reminder, even for me to can be ready and willing to preach the gospel there. I mean, and they're doing it on the campus of VCU. Yeah. Yeah, we always need to be uh, ready to give an answer um, and defend the faith in which we we believe with gentleness, with meekness, um, because we ultimately want to see the lost come to know the Lord. And so how does someone become a disciple? We want to see the nations discipled, but how does someone become a disciple? Through evangelism. You got to get there. You got to evangelize. Uh, people in and then through that evangelism the lord saves those whom have an ear to hear and eyes to see those whom he has called and those whom he has called he will uh, lead them into discipleship into a good biblical local church um, where they can grow and so it's very important to evangelize we've got speaking of evangelism we've got some events coming up here in the next month in October. Actually, next month is we're already into getting ready to get into September. But in October, we have our college evangelism tour where we will be at Cleveland State University. If you'd like to find out more, go to g220ministries.com, g220ministries.com. You can sign up there. We do encourage people to sign up. There's a reason why we have an application on the website and a registration. 
The registration is so that you can register for the different events like the College Evangelism Tour. Or in November, we're having the Light Up the CLE, Light Up Cleveland. They um, get ready for the Christmas season. They put all the lights up. And we go down there every year. Last year, we didn't. Unfortunately, the Rona got a hold of us and stopped us from going last year. But we go down and we hand out cookies and hot chocolate. And we give out hats, gloves, and scarves to those who need it. Along with gospel tracks, people doing one-to-one, and people open-air preaching while we're out there. And usually there's thousands of people that show up to this event. And at the College Evangelism Tour, when you go to college campuses, as I'm sure your friends could attest to, there's students. They're walking by in between classes, and they're always out there. And it's a great place to get out of your comfort zone and engage with the students, because often you'll find that they're willing to engage with you. Sometimes they'll push back. I don't know what it's like on a Christian university. I'm, I'm sure Whoa. there was some pushback. Christians in the name. Let's yeah, not, Christians not. in the name. But for the most part, you would think, you know, okay, they you should be open yeah. to it. But the, these, th- these are things that are coming up. And the reason, as I was saying this, is we have this registration where you can let us know what event you want to join us with and an application that does ask some questions because – we want to get out there and evangelize. If you want to talk, talk theology and whether you want to be King James only or you don't like Calvinism, that's what G220 Radio is for. Come on here and we'll talk to you. But when it comes to getting out there and evangelize, we don't want to get out on the streets and find out as I open up my ESV Bible and I start to preach the gospel and somebody says, hey, that's a perversion. You shouldn't be using that somebody who came out with us to evangelize. And then we end up getting distracted from the evangelism to debate these things in the time that we have scheduled to be out there. And so we try to screen that beforehand. That's why we do that on G220 radio or G220 ministries. And even on G220 radio, we do try to screen our guests that are coming on as invited guests as Christians. Now we will have people that come on the show who are not Christians or who may be in name, as Mike was saying at these Christian universities, they may be in name Christian, but we don't believe them to be a brother or sister in Christ. So we don't screen them with the same kind of screening as someone who professes to be a brother or sister in Christ and seems to be. We, we want to make sure they're members of a church. We want to make sure, and if they're not, there's a reason why they're in between. Uh, and we want to ask them some theological questions to make sure we don't have someone coming on as a Christian guest to promote them and find out they don't believe in the Trinity. (laughs) That would be terrible. That would be bad. And so we do screening for those purposes. It's important to screen, right? Yeah. So, and I mean, you talk about that. I've, I mean, you've had, I've been in conversation last time I went with my friend, went to UVA and there was a guy there. He wanted to argue Calvinism. I was like, look, this is not the time or place. To put the foot down, especially mm-hmm. because I like long conversations. I joke about this. He'll go for eight hours. I'll speak to eight people an hour each person. Like, that's just how mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it is always a good reminder, even thinking about, you know, and even in our Proverbs, um, to think about evangelism in some of those lights, too. Mm-hmm. Um, should be a really interesting show, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be an interesting show for sure. I'm sure as we get into the Proverbs, 
Um, all right, so as we get into chapter 18, this is where we are. We are working our way through the Proverbs slowly but surely, um, but we kind of have other ideas for topics of shows. And if you have an idea for a show suggestion uh, that you would like to see here on G220 Radio, then email us. Email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that is g220radio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And we would love to hear your suggestions as to what you would like us to talk about. I uh, just had a suggestion this morning about a, a conversation of what do you do? I mentioned King James only, but what do you do if if your church is open to using different Bible translations? And then, you know, you're teaching from a certain Bible translation in your church. So many people are using different translations in your church. And then they say, we're going to the King James. And that's what we're going to teach from and preach from, from the church. How can you respond to those things? What could, you know, what should you do? That could be a good possible topic that we can maybe discuss. Some, and maybe it's not the King James. Maybe somebody wants to move to the NIV or move to an ESV Bible and you're used to using the new King James or the King James. And how then do we respond to that? And is those hills to die on and to argue over? And so that's a conversation that we could probably have down the road. What do you think, Mike? Do you yeah, think it happens I mean, a lot or I don't know if it happens a lot. I mean, I think churches should have a text that they preach from that when you teach from the pulpit and you're a member there. I don't know if you extend that to visit like guest preachers, but that it's done in a translation and that translation is provided in the pew for people um yeah maybe for like a unity kind a, of thing yeah well if a if a church member wants to use a different translation because they're more comfortable i mean then it's not like you kick them out but they're having kind of that standard that we at this church like my church we use the esv that is kind of the pulpit text um i do think there's wisdom in um everyone reading the same text you know, within the worship um, service, not that that's a rule or a law, but I think there is some, some wisdom. Um, and see, this is what brings in great conversation that we can yep. maybe possibly have a show because in some reformed churches, you're going to have the reading of scripture corporately. Yep. And so unless you're putting it up on a screen and everybody's reading that, if they're opened their, their Bibles to the passage that you're going to preach from, or that you're corporately reading and people have, NIV, NASB, King James, New King James, NLT, you know, the message, please hope, hopefully not the message, but somebody might have the message in there or the passion translation or something, right? And everybody's reading, you're just not going to be in unity and in sync. So there is wisdom in that, but let's have that conversation. Maybe down the road, we'll have that. Uh, we'll throw it on the, on the schedule there and talk about maybe, or throw it on the count on the on the ideas and, and possibly try to schedule something for that. Right. Right under impassibility. <laughs> yeah. Right under impassibility. What is impassibility, Mike? <laughs> Let's just do an impromptu and we'll just skip Proverbs. No, Mike's been trying yeah. to get passability for, I don't know how long. It's, it's a long running like joke. Two years. Yeah. Two years. Three years. So, uh, all right, well, let's get into Proverbs here, uh, because we're only doing the first 12 verses, but 
as you can see, we're already almost 15 minutes into the show and uh, haven't even really began. Uh, but I think we needed that kind of getting it out there and kind of chopping it up a bit and uh, getting into it. So in Proverbs chapter 18, the, ver the uh, verse one says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So when I, when I see this and the, the first thing that comes to mind, whoever isolates, this is somebody who is separating themselves from others. They are, they are, um, uh, putting themselves like alienating themselves from other individuals and those who ultimately he breaks out against all sound judgment. So those he's breaking away or isolating himself from people who are sound from those who are giving solid wisdom. That's the first thing that comes to my mind as I'm reading that. Yeah, you definitely have that idea. Isolate. So he's secure, like pulling himself away. And I think it's interesting that we we see the reason why he's doing it. It's for his own desires. Mm -hmm. And so he's not isolating himself in a way for other people. But he's, he's isolating himself for his own desires. There's almost, I think, I think they're talking about the fool here. And so the fool is, he's pulling himself away for, to kind of fulfill his own desires. And he breaks out against all sound judgment is this idea of kind of being um, laid bare against sound judgment. Like he doesn't have sound judgment. And does this not incorporate how we do sin? I mean, just, just think about how sin works. It isolates us. It pulls us away. Now we can have sinful friends who can push us to do sins that we would never think we could do. But there's a sense in which also when we consider this verse about when we want to sin, when we feel the desire to sin, you don't want people around you mm -hmm. seeing it. You don't want, it's like hiding, trying to hide your, you mean you're trying to hide your sin from God at points. I mean, Adam and Eve in the garden trying to sew fig leaves together to cover themselves before the Lord. And so when we think about this isolation and it's seeking one's own desire, and I think we could say that's one's own sinful desire. Mm -hmm. There isn't righteousness coming about it. And I mean, there is a sense in which we can think about this even within as Christians within the church, when we isolate ourselves from the body, we pull ourselves away and not seek the wisdom that God has given to us in the church. And that seems yeah, like it's, it's, it's very relevant today yeah. as it has been, but there is this isolation separation kind of thought that runs rampant in American evangelicalism when it comes to the church, as you're talking about that here of isolating them, uh, an individual self from the church. And I think this is not just like not going to church. And I mean, this is something I should probably think more about just in my own life, but going to church and isolating yourself 
maybe from fellowship. Right, right. Like you might go to church and in one sense you can say, well, yeah, I'm not neglecting the meeting of others. But you're not really participating. With but are you participating? And yeah. I'm going to just be frank. I've had a really hard time at church for the last, I don't know how long. Being feeling out, me feeling being outside of the members of my church and then the draw to just isolate from them. Mm -hmm. This is getting really real, really quick. Um, and just thinking about, again, it's kind of my own desire. Like I just don't want to be there anymore, mm -hmm. which is hard to say this is, but I think in God's providence and thinking through this verse, that's not right. Maybe I need to step away as I have on some of the ministries that I've done, but that doesn't mean I should step away from the church mm -hmm. that I'm put at. Yeah. And to, to think about this, not just the, the sinful people on the outside who separate themselves. You see this quite often with people who in school shootings, frankly, there's that trend in there. But I think, spiritually when we separate ourselves from the church by not emotionally giving into it yeah what they need well and you know a couple of weeks ago when we talked about um church hurt and we did an improv yeah. did an impromptu show and we talked about that you could have a desire to want to be connected to brothers and sisters within the church, but because of experiencing church hurt, maybe you've experienced an authoritarian eldership or pastor who abused his position or, or and then so you're you're kind of isolating yourself from getting to know other individuals in the church or getting close because you're concerned about I don't want to get hurt again, right? So again, like you said, it's not only that aspect of one who's just sinful, doesn't really care for the church or the things of God, but as Christians also considering this warning, warning that we have to be careful to not separate ourselves from that body, which God has given us and put us in made because he sets the members as he wills for the edification and the building up of each individual and to exercise the gifts that they have for the benefit of others. But it can. We this is real life. This is that the tag for G220 Radio is real conversations with real people. It's real life. Sometimes, as I was talking with, uh, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show. I think we did last week. Not everything's black and white. It's not. There's some gray yeah. areas when you're dealing with people, where it's real, it's raw, and you're trying to work through those things because we all experience those highs and lows, those seasons where we're struggling, those seasons where we're doing well and we're thinking, man, the Lord is just blessing this time of my life. And then there's those lows where you just feel like I'm just kind of pulled away, you know? And so it's a warning for us to look at because, you know, also in the isolation or the separating, Christians, those who are, are are seeking to honor the Lord, who are in the Word, who are in the fellowship with people, they do separate. They separate from sin. They separate from the world. They separate to be holy. So we can also think of the contrast of one who is seeking to separate from the things of the world, 
And then we, and as we look at this verse here, the one who is isolating him for himself, for his own desires, for the worldly things, not the things of God. Because as Christians, we separate from those things, or we should desire to separate from those things that are going to cause us or pull us away from God, right? Where the yeah. the one who is is completely in sin, they're not they're not desiring to separate from the things of God, because are the things of the world. They want the things of the world. They desire the things of the world. Like my mug there it says, yeah. "Daddy, you're the best." I have to use my left hand to drink. I have tennis elbows. So those who are watching, if you're watching, pray for me. I've had tennis elbow for months now. It is just really difficult. So, all right. Uh, Verse two, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. I have a lot I could say about this, but I don't want to express my opinion. So Mike, let's turn it over to you. I mean, I don't really have an opinion to give on this verse. That's just kind of... No, I think there's other verses in Proverbs that talk about when a fool speaks too much, they sin. Like there's that mm. idea Multitude that of a words, fool yeah. is quick to talk and slow to listen. And especially here, he takes no pleasure in understanding. That's to gain biblical wisdom, to, to be perceptive of the the situation they don't kind of care all they care about all they take pleasure in is knowing that you know their opinion Mm -hmm. i mean there's a we could be talking about what just happened on saturday to a pastor Mm, yeah and give our opinion on it and maybe have pleasure in doing it though we shouldn't but I think there's the the idea that a fool readily wants people to know what their opinion is. They don't care about the hard work of understanding, of gathering and to thinking and taking the time to be slow to speak as James would call us as Christians to be. So yeah. a fool, as we've seen in Earthway, he's very rash. He just does things. It's impulsive. And kind of understandings differently. You can't be rash to have understanding. You just can't start spouting out your mind about this topic and this topic and your, you know, foreign relations expert one day and your NASA expert the next and, and having all of your kind of opinions and know there's, it's good to find wisdom to think about what's going on to try to find more about a story. If you do care about a story, I think there's value in not having an opinion on everything. Yeah. And you know, as as you say that, you know, I I think people come to mind. There's people in my life that come to mind where you, you talk about anything and they've got an opinion. Like you said, they're an expert in this or an expert in that. I've got a family member who watches a lot of the discovery channel or the history channel. And when it comes to Christianity, they've got an answer for this. They've got an answer for that. You're not getting good biblical Christianity understanding on discovery channel or on history channel when they talk about the Bible. Okay. But they've got an opinion on everything. And it's easy for me as I'm saying this to say, these people come to mind, but I also 
know there are times where I've acted a fool and had to make sure that my opinion got out there because I wanted to make sure it was expressed, you know? And so always the, the one thing we, we, we want to learn from the Proverbs as we read God's word is how does this apply to me first and foremost before we go and start trying to poke at other individuals for what's going on. Cause as you mentioned, you know, something that happened on Saturday, I, I'm seeing all kinds of comments and people rejoicing or this gossip or this opinions about, you know, well, because he was going this way, you know, what did you expect? Like, yeah, that that's not where we want to be. We want to look inward first. And then it, really, we don't want to rejoice at the, the, the falling of anyone who is a, a brother or sister in Christ, you know? Yeah. And I, I want to to know, it says that the fool only takes pleasure in expressing his opinion. Mm. It's not wrong to express your opinion. Right. Right. Okay. So this is not like, well, no, you should only have understanding and not express your opinion. Cause then that's like discipleship out the wall, out of the window. Like you can't disciple that way, mm-hmm. but there is this, I think to, to have us understand there's you have to both try to understand, seek, understand, seek the wisdom to inform your opinion. It's not only about what you think or what you think is going on, but to, to listen. I think that's, again, that that's slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak and, and to get the information and then present, okay, this is what it seems. This is what I think about divine simplicity and Thomas and kind of that debate going on in Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned that first part of this verse where it says it takes no pleasure, like you have absolutely no desire. You hate understanding. You hate wisdom and knowledge. You don't desire that. Uh, You just want to do what you want to do and say what you want to say. Um, and that's where the danger lies. All right. So verse three, when wickedness comes, contempt comes also. And with dishonor comes a disgrace. And, uh, you think about this wickedness coming, you know, when sin comes in, when you've sinned, it's, it's even when you go back to the isolating yourself, right? You separate yourself from God. You sin, you fall into sin, you jump into sin. And you feel separated from God. And then you get contempt towards others who are living righteously or seeking to live righteously. There's a contempt that comes. Ultimately, your contempt is against God here, right? And then, but with dishonor comes disgrace. We've seen this, that, you know, when we talk about people who um, fall, pride comes before the destruction, right? Yeah, and I think to to note here that the contempt comes with the wickedness. And mm-hmm. I think this is a contempt to others, mm-hmm. that this is a, a fool expressing his wisdom as he's isolated himself from society. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you really kind of think of the, you know, the verse and then the context and kind of seeing this progression from isolation only having opinions and then kind of the wickedness and the sin that comes with it, that it comes content against those who are 
godly. There is dishonor that comes with the wickedness and the sin. Not only the dishonor that will come in judgment from God, but the dishonor that you will receive here on earth if it's known, if it's come. So there's this kind of, I mean, you see this with people who are just, they just care about their sin and they hate any sight of righteousness. And so there's, you just gotta, you gotta see that contentment and that hatred um, pour out. And I think that's where we understand that when wickedness comes, it's just not just sin. Other sins come along also. So Ricky, you guys on YouTube can see he has had to step out. So we're just going to move on. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. And when we think about, let's just kind of think of the imagery. Words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Proverb provides these great imagery to think about kind of the, the depthness of our language. We can, I think, think about this in light of the Bible. We can read and understand these words, but there's a depthness in there of wisdom that comes from the word wisdom that is um, deep. Here you can think of something that's unfathomable, inaccessible, and trying to understand the depths of our language and how to speak our deep things. And the, the, then the idea of a fountain, a babbling brook, again, kind of this, I don't know, I get the imagery, mountain, brook down the middle, and a pass, something I've experienced. But this kind of gentle and clear, and it's always going. It's There's like a spring that's, that's coming in, some wisdom, We've seen in Proverbs, this idea of a spring of life coming out. Um, so again, thinking about our words, again, kind of even connecting a little bit, but the fools always have opinion. There's a depthness in, in wisdom that keeps kind of coming out. Yeah. All right, we're moving to verse five. Uh, it is good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive. It is not good to be partial. Yeah, it is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. So it's it's pretty plain, cut and dry, clear here. But someone who is a judge, someone who is ruling over a situation or uh, giving judgment over a situation is not to be partial for the wicked. 
whether it's because financially they're putting some money in your pocket, whether it's because they're a family member and you're trying, you're being partial in that sense because you know them, an acquaintance, a friend, it's not good to be partial to the wicked. And then in that depriving the righteous of justice. And I think we, we see this, this does take place in society. We, we see that there are at times corrupt politicians, corrupt judges who take a bribe or are impartial or are partial towards a certain uh, person that's on trial for whatever reason, you know, they have for being partial. And that's what this, this proverb is telling us not to do because God is not a respecter of persons. And so we as Christians should be seeking truth and, and seeking justice, not for uh, the wicked to be partial toward them for any gain of our own. As we've talked about, this whole proverb setting up, the isolating himself for his own desires. He doesn't take uh, pleasure in um, understanding, but only in expressing his own opinions. And now not to be partial to the wicked and to deprive the righteous, but to seek truth, to find genuine wisdom, uh, which we ultimately know that Christ is the wisdom of God, wisdom and power of God in Christ. Yeah, and to, to think about you know, the being partial, not to, to take the bribe and subverting justice. There is also a bigger conscience, a bigger consequence that comes out of it because other people sees mm -hmm. other people notice, Oh, if I do this, I'm not going to get in as much trouble. And and that since you start losing the judicial teeth to preserve what is good, to honor what is good, and to punish what is bad, and to rule in a way that brings about the justice. And we know that God cares about these things. He used the Babylonians to defeat Israel, but in their haughtiness, he judges them. He was not partial. Yes, he used them to judge Israel, but they also sinned thinking it was them who ultimately defeated Israel, not recognizing God. And they received the punishment too. So God clearly shows that justice needs to be exercised and to think about it. And when we even think about verse five in our context, I had a discussion about this several years ago with a former coworker, how a judge needs to see race or um, status in conclusion with their punishment. So a, poor kid whose family can't make enough money to put food on shouldn't be judged for stealing an apple because he's hungry versus a rich kid who has food and provided who steals an apple just because he wants to steal an apple. But to do that, you're, you're being partial to the wicked. Yeah. And you're being you know, it's, impartial to the, to the just, you're, you're depriving the righteous of the store yeah. owner. It's funny that you say that because 
I was listening to Moody Radio this morning, which I don't listen to. I don't really listen to Moody Radio that often. Um, hardly ever. But I turned it on on my way driving into work this morning. And they were talking about there's a... I'm trying to remember where they said there's a state that is now allowing for the school to spank the children. Now they have to get permission from the parents, but they they've stated that the constitution allows for, uh, there's been a ruling or something that allows for the spanking or the disciplining of children by spanking in public schools. And so they've sent out these letters and said to the parents, will you allow us to spank your children? And da di da di da that was the basis of the conversation and people were calling in. And one of the hosts, one of, which is one of the reasons why I don't really listen to this morning show, um, said, well, I used to be a school teacher and somebody did something, they were acting up and I was complaining to the principal and the social worker said to me, well, did you know that this person, when they go home, they experience this and they experience that and they have this going on in their life. So them acting out is a result of these things going on. And I was thinking what you were just basically laying out there, Mike, is while, yes, they may be experiencing some things that they act out upon, it still doesn't give that, that it doesn't allow for that to be um, uh, an excusable action. Mm -hmm. So you don't just say, well, you know, he's got a hard family life, so let's give him a break. No, because correction does what? It's like I was talking at church this week and I was I was talking as I was teaching through about the church and and I was talking to some afterwards about God always li leaves these checks and balances. That's why we're congregational. <laughs> That's why we believe in the congregational uh, ecclesiology. Because a pastor just can't do whatever he wants, then he's going to be held responsible by the congregation or going to speak up. Well, even in the other kind of ecclesiologies, the pastor's not going to do what he can or whatever he wants because they're going to have the presbytery, you know, they're going to come down. Yeah. So there's checks and balances. And so just because a child may have a certain background or a socioeconomic status that doesn't justify, like you said, if somebody steals an apple because they're hungry, you can have sympathy on them and maybe not press charges, but you, you still have to say that's still sin. That's still wrong. You can't do yeah. that. I think, yeah, you get into the idea of, yes, they should be punished for their wrongdoing, but the judge can exercise grace mm -hmm. if he feels it needs to be done. And, but the question still has to remain, will justice be served? How will justice be correct? Because there is an unjustness there. The store owner is out of a dollar fifty for an apple. Okay, that was kind of expensive, an apple, but he's out of some money from an apple. It's inflation. Not go with it. Yeah. It's a honey crisp. It was a really yeah. good apple. And and it, that needs to be reconciled. That needs to be ironed out. And so yeah, I think it just calls for us to think about even our justice system. It's not perfect. This is not to go woke, but are there laws that need to be reconsidered? Do we need to think about these laws and to 
to make sure they are just, they're not mm. being partial to one person or a group of person or another. I mean, and they can be just applied wrong too. Let's also realize that the laws may not be just, but just applying wrongly. Um, but I do think it causes us to, we should think about these things. Um, we should have understanding, not just give our opinions, but to seek and understand and to think about these ideas more. Cause that's again, God is just, he loves justice. He wants us to be just people. And so in light of God's word, how do we, bring about the justness of God. I think this um, here in Proverbs five, it calls us to think about that in a new light. Yeah. And verse six, which is basically the title of our program tonight, dealing with Proverbs chapter 18, a fool's lip lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. This is someone who keeps running his mouth. He's expressing those opinions and he's talking to the wrong person. He's talking to someone who he just keeps going and going and going. And he invites a beating upon himself because he won't stop expressing those opinions and just keep on pushing and pushing and pushing until you yeah. come across the wrong. And I've, I've explained this to, to my children, you know, like uh, we had an instance years and years ago uh, with one of our oldest son who was going to school. He was kind of running his mouth, not a believer, um, you know, and he was just, and I told him, I said, look, you, you keep acting that way. You're going to come across the wrong person and they're going to do something, you know, it's in life. Even I, and when I was in the military, I seen, and I seen guys that would come up that had never been in charge ever, right? They never had that kind of uh, a responsibility. Then they become a, a, a corporal or a sergeant and they're in charge of something. And they're just constantly running their mouth because of this position or this authority that they have and, and whatever. And somebody comes along of the same rank and just says, you know, nope, and puts them on their butt. Now there's consequences to those kind of actions, but it happens, right? Yeah. And to, to think about it, I mean, again, the imagery of Proverbs the fool's lips walk into a fight, mm -hmm. into strife. It brings them into this trouble. I don't think it even can necessarily be, I don't think we can, I mean, obviously a physical fight could also, but it, it's just a strife. Just right. Right. It brings them into trouble and mm -hmm. his mouth invites discipline. It invites beating. It invites, what it, it goes like just that the language. And I think it just relates the importance of what James tells us about our words. Yeah. And how the tongue is the smallest of the organ of, of the organs. Yeah. It can cause a great fire. It can move like a rudder. It directs just thinking through, you know, the, and the just a quick short promo. Next week on G220 Radio, when we go through verses 13 and 24, the title of the show is The Tongue Brings Life or Death. Second half of this problem. And so, yeah, just the, the imagery that fools talk and their talk brings trouble upon them. Mm -hmm. Whether it's strife or beating, discipline or even being 
outmanned. And the idea continues in verse seven, a fool's mouth is his ruin. Mm -hmm. So he runs his mouth. He walks into these fights and strifes and beatings, and it's going to be what ruins him. Yeah. In the end, his his lips are a snare to his soul. They entrap Mm -hmm. his soul and bring him down. Yeah. And the fool, one who doesn't seek understanding, who won't listen to those who will give him words of life to release him from his snare, just rejects them. I think it shows you just how foolish we are when we reject God's wisdom, even as believers, when we let sin control our thoughts and our actions without considering God's word to us. Yeah. And a couple, couple uh, references from scripture come to mind here is uh, Daniel and the false accusers. When you go to Daniel chapter six and they give uh, Darius this decree, they, they, they come to Darius and say, there's this decree that's put out there, but it comes back on them. And then isn't Haman, Haman, Haman with Esther and Mordecai, where he's running. His, he thinks he's this great man that he's going to be honored and mm-hmm. it comes back on him, you know? So, yeah, it could be physical. It could be in just a situation or it could even be to death like we see with Haman. All right. So verse eight, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Go ahead, Mike. I mean, I just think about just spiritually and internal thoughts that my flesh will have, maybe prompted by spiritual forces maybe just prompted my own sinfulness the the words of whisper that seed doubt in your soul mm-hmm. and i mean this plays out so that in the spiritual sense in the mind that we play that we think about plays out even in the physical when secrets are kept plans under wraps and this isn't i mean there, we can throw some caveats on this if we would like but i just just in general you think about lady folly in the city enticing and quiet and mm. whisper and and that's what is intended. The words of a whisper are like a delicious morsel that sinks deep to your soul. Yeah. And hurts. It's destructive mm-hmm. with it. Again, I mean, you just just think about how this happens in the secrecy, in the quiet, in the alienation, but just in your mind that no one knows Mm -hmm. outside of the father and you no one knows outside god 
and to to think about how destructive those things can be in our lives even maybe more so than the secrets things the whispers we hear from the outside of our bodies yeah no that's good man that's good because yeah those things also can be discussed here but as you're putting it out there the, the things from the inside here that nobody knows but also what comes to mind too outside of that the things you hear the whispers from others is can, could be gossip you know, and slander of someone. And how often do we see or do we know of maybe instances where someone uses a prayer group to, you know, secretly talk quietly to just the few people that are there to say, hey, did you know so-and-so's experience? Let's pray for them. But their heart and their motivations isn't because they genuinely care for this individual, but they want to spread the gossip. You know, and that can also destroy. I mean, we see this gossip, slander, this being a whisperer here that this can be very well, it is very destructive and can destroy uh, an individual and uh, um, together can be cause a lot of division and device divisiveness. All right. So whoever is slack, verse nine, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. So whoever is slack in his work, just a lazy sluggard, right? Someone who is mm -hmm. not doing the things that I feel like I want to be lately. I go with this tennis elbow, <laughs> you know, bad shoulder. I just want to, I just want to lay around and do nothing, but rest is can't good. Do that. No rest is rest. good. Rest is good. But I feel like I just want to lay and do nothing like a lazy <laughs> sluggard, but uh, I, I can't do that. Won't do that. I know it's wrong. Um, and I got to provide for my family, but if you don't work, then, you know, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys, right? One who's going to destroy. And that's just, yeah, you don't want to be that lazy sluggard. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about that connection between, got my pencil, trusty pencil here. Um, the slacking person and the one who destroys and that they're brothers. So they're, they're similar. The, mm. the keen of them. And that the one who, in one sense, doesn't do his work because he's slacking, he's not, he's neglecting, he's being idle, careless, is the same as the one who destroys. Because in both sense, one may be quicker in destroying when they destroy something, but a slacker is destroying things by not tending to what needs to be done he's in one sense kind of if you think in the farming he's destroying the land it's not being profitable it's not growing out of its abundance because he's not working the land it's just as if someone would take a healthy a healthy crop and just mow it down without any care and so I think we see, I think kind of look at that slothfulness being slack brings about destruction in kind of a different way, but it leads the same way as someone who just seeks to destroy. In the end, there's going to be nothing. There's wisdom to think about our work in that way, but to also remember that at times our, our body does need rest. 
-hmm. And just because you're not doing something doesn't mean you're being a slacker. Sometimes you just need to, to rest, to let your body heal. Right. And to take care of these things. So I think this is a good message in light of kind of an an American business Mm -hmm. where it's just work, 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 wrongly applying very good Puritan principles. The American dream. Yeah. About being diligent workers, but also understanding that the Puritans also had a theology of rest and what Mm -hmm. it meant to, to not only rest in the Lord and the, and the toils of our spiritual work, but in the physical sense too. Yeah. But it also in a physical sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of missed those days, although I wasn't around for them, but kind of missed those days when you go back to having uh, a, a six day work week and there's nothing opened on a Sunday on the Lord's day. Well, man, what the, that would be just wonderful. Post mill. <laughs> go watch our show a couple of weeks ago when the Millers had a conversation, you know, <laughs> So let's go to verse 10. <laughs> the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteousness of, ma- of the righteous man runs into it and is safe. And when you think about this, this is often referred to in the Old Testament, this strong tower. This is a place of refuge. And we uh-huh. see it here in uh, Judges 9, 51. It says, but there was a strong tower within the city and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in and they went up to the roof of the tower. They fled to this strong, this tower to shut themselves in for safety, for a place of refuge. And we see God is referred to this strong tower, this place of refuge. And the the Psalms often uh, do that for us. When we see it in Psalm uh, 61, 13, it says, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my enemy. Uh, and then even in Proverbs, well, we're, we're talking about it here in Proverbs 18. Uh, yeah, Proverbs 18. So, yeah, I mean, God is our strong tower. He is our place of refuge. And it says a righteous man runs to him for safety, runs to that strong tower. Yeah, I think sometimes that might be hard for us to understand in light of just a cultural difference. Mm-hmm. Because cities, an unprotected city, a city that didn't have walls, was a city open for destruction. Mm. Um, This is the important part in um, Nehemiah about building the city walls to, to protect Israel, to protect Jerusalem. So city walls important. Strong towers are important when enemies are coming after you. And and in a very real sense, as you mentioned, the psalmist used this idea of the the Lord as the strong tower. That we can flee to him with our anxieties and cares and know that we are saved. That God will protect us from our enemies. Even when they may throw us in a fiery pit or a lion's den, knowing that he may not save us physically from those things, but that we will, will be saved eternally and to see him. So to run and to flee to God as a strong tower is to find the protection we need to walk in the shadow of death. Yeah where we can fear no evil 
for he is with us and his rod is staff. He comforts us, mm. which is different than what the rich person is in verse 11. Right. Right. Cause the rich person's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall is his imagination. He thinks his wealth will protect him mm -hmm. from the outside. But as we see, that's a high wall in his imagination. It will fall. He will lose it all. Yeah. And I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of, there was this movie uh, years ago and I don't remember it, but there, we know that God will never destroy the world by flood again, but there was this movie. I don't know if it was a judgment day or was an end of the world, kind of apocalypse kind of movie where they built these arcs. It's like three of them or whatever. And they all got on these arcs because the world was coming to an end and this was going to be their way of pervert, pre preserving, you know, mankind. Yeah. But you think about that with these rich individuals who want to, you know, um, they take their wealth and they want to use it for, you think of, you know, and I could be wrong here, but you think of like Disney or certain individuals who wanted to, to freeze themselves to come back, you know, whenever they figured out a cure for something or how to bring somebody back or, you know, um, and I could be wrong on that uh, with Disney. But I mean, like there's individuals that think that their money is going to be able to provide a longer life for them or bring them back from the dead or cure them from this. Their money is their refuge. Get them out of out of a wickedness, being a wicked uh, individual and going to court, going to before a judge and you're paying and you're bribing because your money is going to get you out of this situation. But it's not that strong tower. You're trusting in something that will not ultimately save. Yeah. And it's, again, just like the, the fact it's a high, high wall again, thinking that it will save him, but it's, it's in his imagination in the end, a rich man's money will not save him. I mean, the rich cannot inherit the kingdom of God. They can't buy themselves into it. They have to become poor in spirit. They have to seek the one who is infinitely rich and to find their soul there. And they will be saved. They'll be kept safe. Mm -hmm. All right. Our last verse before destruction, a man's heart is haughty but humility comes before honor. So pride before, before the fall. Yeah. Now that we're at the end of the show, I'll tell the story for my friend's evangelism trip. He had one student come up to him, very prideful about his drinking every night and getting drunk. And so my friend engaged him, preaching the gospel to him. So we see this, this haughty heart as the, at the start of the conversation, but as my friend talks to him about his sin and the judgment that he should be preparing for, he, he's no longer haughty. He, he sees it and admits to my friend that he drinks, gets drunk because his life is awful. Can't keep a job. 
he has so much debt. And so he, he tries to drink to forget it. I think when we, we think about this verse, the destruction of a man's heart, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. He thinks he's on the top of the world. Nothing is going to get him. But then comes and he's destroyed. But it's it's humility. It's knowing who we are. A haughtiness puts us up. It elevates us. Humility is a reflection of knowing who we are, where we really are. It's not thinking highly of ourselves. It's an accurate depiction of ourselves. And when we accurately understand who we are, there is that comes honor. Yeah. Because we're not trying to elevate ourselves. And when we think about what it takes to come to the Lord, for lack of better terms, is understanding our actual place in light of God's law, that we are sinful people and needing a righteousness from outside of ourselves. And I think just that story demonstrates just in a, in a spiritual aspect, what a prideful heart does. Yeah. But when you, when, when that heart is destroyed by the law, mm. by being exposed, that allows in God's sovereign time, the humility to be honored before him as a child of God. Yeah. The Bible says law to the proud, grace to the humble, right? And if you've never, as we started this off talking about evangelism and then ending it here with evangelism, if you've never experienced that, I want to encourage you, if you're in the area to come out to the college evangelism tour with us and have those conversations, uh, or, and even if you don't come out with us, go out and share the gospel and the more you're engaging with individuals, you know, I pray the Lord would allow you to experience that while you're out there sharing the gospel, where you're talking to someone who is very proud, who is very arrogant in their rebellion against God. But as you begin to give them the word of God, you give them the law of God to watch an individual be humbled by God's word, not by me, not by you, not by, you know, who's ever presenting it, but by the word of God, humbling them. Right. And, and to see God and even to see God do a work in somebody's life, bringing them to salvation. Uh, that, that is something that, you know, uh, the Bible says he who is wise wins souls. Ultimately, we know it is God who brings the increase. It is God who saves individuals, but he has a means by which to do it. And we are that means. Uh, the church is the the means that sends people out to go and share, builds them up so that they can go out and, and evangelize and then bring them in for discipleship as well. But uh, if you've not experienced that, go and stand and speak and share the gospel uh, with a lost individual. Uh, and it's, it's easy to do. It, it's, it's hard because sometimes it's getting out of your comfort zone. You know, uh, often people think that those who go out and evangelize are very outgoing. It's not always the case. Often we're very introverted. We're not very outspoken, you know, <clears throat> but it's, 
being faithful to what God has given. And there's many ways in which you can go about it. Take gospel tracts, hand them out, you know, um, get into conversations. You don't have to be an open air preacher. Like Mike said, you can go out and have a couple hours out there and only talk to two people or one person for the entire time. But God uses those, those encounters. So just want to encourage you to get out there and share the gospel, you know, any last words, thoughts, Mike, before we, we close it up here, uh, and then we'll come back next week. And like I said, we will finish off the rest of this chapter and we will deal with the tongue being the member of death or bringing death and life. The power is in that tongue, right? So, I mean, I feel like this chapter, like even what we've talked about, just words matter. I mean, mm -hmm. I know we've said this words matter. We've seen it today. We'll see it next week mm -hmm. and how we think about our words and how we use them matter and i mean if nothing else the fool likes to give his opinion but doesn't like understanding we're called to be ones who are wise so we find the wisdom in the word so there's on so we go to the word we gain wisdom we share it with our fellow church members and we proclaim it to them believers so they find mm. refuge in the lord yeah well, that's been g220 radio for tonight until next week god bless